Seeker podcast at Service of Change, where we challenge reality, question it which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II, with Service of Change, where you can read my book for free, I Am Human and We Are Not Who We Think We Are, just by going to serviceofchange.com, click on that big red button that says get my free ebook, and you can check it out. It'll be sent right to your inbox. I'm actually going to be reading from a, a portion of that book tonight. Um, why am I giving it away for free? Because it's something that I, I feel is a, a thought process that needs to be shared. It's one of those experiences that I've had that I want to uh, to get a discussion going on it because I think that we need to be doing something different in this world. I'm going to talk about that tonight, and I think that there's something off in our perception and understanding of that world, of this world. I know that's a very arrogant thing of me to say. Who am I to make such a statement? But I've seen a few things in this world that, that just don't add up to me, and I, I have a question about it, and, and I'm trying to uh, to find answers to that. So that's one of the reasons why this book's uh, been given out for free as I work on the second book in the series, I Am Human Food for the Archons, which goes into much greater detail um, you know, to book one, I am human and we are not who we think we are. Tonight, I want to talk about the web of life, the circle of life, the food chain, basically, and our role in it. As I mentioned in the first book, uh, we are not in the position that we think we are in that food chain. As human beings, as Americans, we tend to think we are at the top of the hierarchy. We're the king of the jungle, uh, the rulers of this world, and the reality is we just, we are not. But of those that we have dominion over, uh, alleged dominion over, um, you know, I, I want to explore that a little bit as well. So uh, I'm going to get into, read a little bit from my book. I have uh, a little bit from an article that I want to read from as well with some statistics and some figures. Um, you know, some of this stuff may sound down and depressing. That's not who I am as a, as a, as a host. Um, you know, I do present facts. I do try to present information, but I also try to offer solutions. And that's where I'm going with this. So please stick with me if you, if you hear something that may sound upsetting during this, um, this episode. Uh, and stick with me as, as I, there's, because there's a reason for it. I'm not just trying to scare you or depress you or, or to, you know, panic peddling as, as some of these other, um, you know, programs and articles out there tend to do. That's not what this show is about. Uh, so I hope that you'll that you'll listen to uh, to what I'm getting into. Let me stop bantering here and let me just jump right into it. Um, you know, I was on the road uh, last last week. I was on the road driving down to uh, check on one of my rental properties, and two trucks passed me. And and as oh, I'm sorry, I passed two trucks. And as I'm behind them, the smell coming off of them was absolutely horrendous. And you know these trucks, you pass them on the highway. Uh, as I got a little closer, I saw they were, you know, 
just an open grate on the side, you know, the holes in them. And you come up next to them, and there's a bunch of pigs just thrown in there, just stacked, just riding down the road. And you see these trucks driving no matter what type of weather it is, whether it's raining, whether it's warm, whether it's cold. These pigs are just just packed in there. And, and the sad thing is they say pigs are more intelligent than dogs, but they throw these animals in there, and they ship them off to the slaughterhouse, and then sometimes they're put in cages where they can't even turn around and then you know they're killed and slaughtered and you know well who cares because we like to eat our bacon and our pork roll and and you know our pork and all that stuff but i can't stress enough that we need to be aware of of what's happening and of where our food comes from and there's a very important reason for this and if you've been listening to my shows and you've been finding you know the research that i've been talking about there's a very good reason why we need to be more conscious of what we're doing to our food now you know i struggle with i really would like to you know take the the, the step and become a vegan but right now i can't i, I just you know it's it's not easy to do um you know, but I, I agree with a lot of the things that the vegans say. You know, I have a couple flaws with it that I, you know, that I'll try to get into tonight as well. But the point of this show is not to encourage you to become a vegan. So please don't get turned off and turn my show off. Um, but I do respect that movement, and I think they they are onto something there. Um, my point here is to that we need to show a little bit more respect and and uh, offer a little bit more peace to the animals that we end up consuming as food if we're not going to give up eating meat. Um, you know, and, and I guess this comes back to, this realization came to me, I, I know I say it on a lot of my shows, but you know, back in 2009, I was really struggling trying to understand what's going on in this world. Something didn't make sense to me. It was really bothering me. And you know, I, I was like I say, this essay came to me. You know, I, I really trying to figure it out. I was up all night one night, just pacing back and forth. And this essay, I just put pen to paper and started writing frantically. And what came out is something that every time I read it, it just resonates even stronger with me of the world that we live in. It's not this pretty picture that we're always seeing, or it's not this. You know, it's just not what we're what we're told that it is. It's not what's presented in the media either. Uh, because they don't paint a, paint a pretty picture of this world, but that's not what it is either. Um, I want to read an excerpt from it, if if I can, uh, and this is from the actual essay that you know that is included in the back of uh, of I Am Human. I have the book with me here. Um, so let me jump to the part here. I thought I had the page, and I think I've lost it. All right, here we go. So on page 25, if you have the uh, if you have the book yourself, what about the many animals? For example, chickens we raise in captivity only to destroy and consume them once they have reached maturity. They grow to depend on us to raise them, feed them, and keep them safe. Do they understand their purpose is simply to indulge our cravings, to be a flavorful delicacy? And what of the bird who is raised to maturity, slaughtered, and then dropped on the floor from the dinner table in its deliciously dead and moist, rich state? We humans would most likely discard this carcass of bird meat in the garbage without a second thought. So what purpose did this bird serve? To live, be slaughtered, and then thrown in the garbage? And if these birds became aware of their plight, if they learned of the fate in which they had no choice, would they mount a resistance? Would one bird or many birds be able to defend themselves against the onslaught of their hungry caregivers and providers? Or would they come to embrace their destiny and find a sort of spiritual enlightenment in knowing they were the food for their caregivers, the gods of their understanding? So this really hit me when I started thinking about our food and, and where it comes from on a lot of levels because I, I looked at this as, you know, 
number one, what are we doing to the food that we're eating? Number two, is this a metaphor for us if we're not at the top of the food chain? Um, are we being exploited? Are we being tortured? Are we being slaughtered? Uh, you know, on, definitely on a spiritual sense. Um, and, and, and looking beyond that, what can we do about it? You know, for the longest time I felt completely helpless, uh, you know, when dealing with this and trying to address this. Um, now, again, if you go back and listen to my other shows, um, you know, I've talked about Louche with Robert Monroe. I've talked about energy vampires and energy parasites and what I suspect. And, and I'm not going to get into the specifics of it now. Go look on iTunes. Go look on SoundCloud. Go to YouTube. Go to servicechange.com. Listen to my other shows talking about these things where, where I talk about the research that I'm doing where there's something that is potentially manipulating human behavior, human thought, human emotion to generate sadness and suffering because the energy that's put out through our hearts is a form of nourishment or a desirable energy source. That frequency, there's different frequencies that we produce. The frequency of fear, sadness, suffering, all those negative emotions that we experience is what is the desired outcome. So we, our lives, our lives are influenced, manipulated, designed to create that stuff. Now, take that even a step further, uh, and I can't go into all the details that I have because we'll be here forever, but it's in Food for the Archons. So if you haven't signed up for the newsletter yet, sign up for the free newsletter because all the updates are there, and the book's going to be coming to you through there once it's, once it's released, you know, all the release dates and stuff. But, you know, we had this energetic output. I, energetic output. I did a show about social coherent, coherence a few weeks back that talked about the ability of human beings to sit in a room and influence the mood and emotions of other people in the room through a training process through heart math called the Institute of Heart Math called social coherence where they can put themselves mind body spirit you know basically state of happiness and spread that frequency to cause other people in the room to feel similar emotions now the same is true of the the opposite of that now does a mob mentality start to make sense? Listen to my podcast called The Trump Effect, you know, where I talk about the power of the mob mentality because it's more than just, oh, I want to do what they're doing. It's a vibration that gets inside of you. It affects your mood. It causes you to feel those feelings of rage, sadness, anger, frustration. It's contagious because we're, we're like tuning forks and we're harmonizing with one another depending on who we're around and what emotional state is being portrayed. So, again, we tend to think humanity, it's just us. But there are so many animals. I think of those pigs. I think of the chickens that suffer. So many animals out there in the world are suffering every day so we can eat. And number one, the sad thing is those animals have zero existence of a life. Number two, how much food is wasted? So what was the point of their lives? But they have those feelings, those desired energetic feelings that these things, these parasites are craving. So it's not just us. It's all life on this planet. We are the ones acting as their minions, causing these animals to suffer, sometimes without our awareness of it, because we just go to the grocery store and pay the money to buy it, so we're paying somebody else to cause that suffering of these animals. Now, I, I went to uh, AnimalLiberationFront.com. And uh, they had the USDA slaughter stats for 2008. Number of cattle that were slaughtered, 
35,507,500, pigs 116,558,900, chickens 9,075,261,000, layer hens 69,683,000, broiler chickens 9 million Five, not, I'm sorry, nine billion five million five hundred seventy-eight thousand turkeys, two hundred seventy-one million two hundred forty-five thousand. I, I can't even do that math in my head. I should have done it ahead of time. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead on this article. It says the number of animals killed in the U.S. reached a new record in the year 2000, and the number is expected to continue rising, according to the USDA's National Agric Agricultural Statistics Survey (NASS). The overall rise was driven by a massive switch to consumption of chicken flesh. Moreover, 1 in 10 farm animals died of stress-induced disease or injury before slaughter. Stress. Okay, they're stressed out. None of these figures include fish, which are not counted by any government agency. According to NASS reports and expert interviews, uh, 8,792,000,000 broiler chickens and 492,700,000 layer hens were killed for food in 2000, as well as 304 million turkeys and 26,100,000 ducks for a total of 9,551,000, I mean 9,551,000,000 birds. Sorry, it's a lot of zeros. And it's expected to continue to rise. Now, I can go on and on with all these numbers. Think about that, though. That's more than one animal per person on this planet. So that's a genocide. The number of animals that we kill in a year is more than we have people on this earth. Imagine if that was us. Now they suffer. Now all you have to do, and I'm not going to share this, this, the videos. I'm not going to. But all you have to do is go to one of PETA's websites. You have to. It's not hard to find. I challenge you to try to watch one of those things and watch these animals scream as their throats are being slit, as they're being defeathered while they're still alive and these horrible yeah and there's certain factories where they don't do that anymore it's quote-unquote humane but not all of them and still what kind of lives do these animals live even though they may not be tortured at the end it's not meaningful to them there's still that sadness that loneliness so they're still putting out that energy that that's that, that desired energy by this parasite by this predator that's feeding on us so it's a scary reality check, and a lot of us don't want to face it because facing it means we have to change. If what I'm saying holds any shred of truth, facing that means there we need to do something different, and that's not easy to do. I've been trying to change my diet for the last five years, and it's been gradual, and like I said, it's, it's hard. But I'm okay with that challenge because I don't want to be contributing to this negativity anymore, this suffering and this sadness. So what what are the takeaways that we can do? Well, number one, we can start buying uh, organic. And I understand organic is expensive, but even if you just change your shopping habits to buy one product organic, uh, you know, change out one of your uh, products that you normally buy that's non-organic to one product that is organic and GMO-free. That, over time, with you and every other shopper out there, We'll send a message to the companies, and they're just going to stop pumping these animals full of drugs. That's number one. But number two, buy from farms where they treat their animals humanely. If you don't, if you're not going to give up meat, if you insist on eating meat, start making that transition in how your food is treated, how your food is slaughtered. Go to farms that treat them humanely, that have free range, legit free range chickens, 
free-range grass-fed chickens, not these free-range who are in these giant pens that are just a bunch of crap anyway where they're stepping in their feces all day long. Go to a farm, check out the farms in your area, you know, go online, do a little bit of research because if you can start supporting farms that have animals that live happy lives, they're not putting out as much negativity and sadness into the world that has an overall effect on everyone's emotions and moods. And right now the world is in a state of chaos. These are the things that we can do. They seem so small. And initially there's no big emotional payoff because we're not fighting anything by doing that. But that's the point. Violence begets violence. Evil begets evil. If you start making these little choices, again, it's not the emotional payoff you may be looking for, but it can have an impact. If what I'm saying holds credibility, I challenge you to go do your research and review my other shows. This is where the change happens. And the other thing that I've started doing now is every time I eat something, I stop. You know, as a kid, I used to say grace, and it meant nothing to me. I'd say a random prayer that I had no connection to. But now I have my children and myself, and we look at our food, and we acknowledge where it comes from. If it's grains, we say, hey, thank you for these grains that grew in the earth, that someone had to harvest. And I pause. My kids are too young for this part, but I pause and, and I, you know, I give my energy to it. I, th- I, am th- I say, say that I'm thankful that that grain, that grass, that vegetable, that piece of fruit had to make a sacrifice. Because if you go to my podcasts on plants and the energetic levels of plants, there's strong evidence that shows that plants are able to perceive human intention, human emotion, and plants have a measurable reaction to their own death. They know when a human intends to do them harm. So there's evidence that even the plants are feeling this negative energy. So I try to bring peace to that. And with the animals, my children and I talk about it. Oh, well, this is this is chicken. Thank you for the chickens, uh, you know, that we're able to eat this. What that does, although I'm not at the slaughterhouse, it reminds me, it reminds my children that something dies in order for us to live. I don't waste food anymore. With Even with my fruit scraps, I, fortunately I live in the woods, I throw them outside for the deer, I throw them outside for my chickens, I try to use everything, I try to compost. I'm not perfect yet. I still have more waste than I want, but when it comes to my food that's something sacrificed, I'm going to eat it, I'm going to save it for later, I'm going to eat it later, uh, or I'm going to give it to an animal, pass it on somewhere that something else can consume it so it's not wasteful. It keeps me mindful. And I think just that tiny shift in consciousness, in perception, can have a dramatic ripple effect around the world. Again, I'm not preaching violence, get your guns, we need to storm the castle. I am preaching revolution, but it's not that big kick emotional payout that we all seem to want, myself included, when I hear some of this crazy stuff like Hillary Clinton. Side note. But that's my point. I think to win this, we need to just walk a different path. Be prepared for the worst, but walk that different path because that's where the real change happens is on that energetic level. That conscious level is where we need to do it. So, okay, I think I've gone on for uh, for quite enough time. I need to end the show here. Um, you know, uh, again, I hope it wasn't too much of a depressing podcast for you. It's something that I think is very important. It's the core of everything. And like I said, you know, nine billion animals are being killed every year uh, because of us. So, if we can minimize that suffering, and for those of you that think that animals don't 
have feelings again go watch some of these videos um, you know it, it's very sad it's it's very very sad and, and I want to address before I end the show the feeling of hopelessness that I've, I've had a lot um, you know I, I felt like uh, there's nothing we can do we have no power over these predators because a chick there's no way that a chicken can influence me there's no way a chicken can win this fight against me if I'm intent on killing it but the reality is if these are energetic and emotional beings I know that I've <laughs> I want to say made the mistake of I've seen some of these videos of what happens to these animals and I feel bad for them so I am no longer contributing to that problem so they may not be able to fight me physically but they had an emotional impact on me these animals did many of them did that's power if it caused me to change because I didn't care before so for us who feel powerless with our understanding of this energetic universe the connection that we have to it number one if we can cut off our negative energy production we have a, the potential to starve out these parasites number two if we can change the vibration the frequency that's going out there we have the potential to influence other people on this planet to starve out these parasites who are influencing us as well. So we do have power. We do have a shot. Again, it's not through the violence. It's not through the crazy stuff that the media and even some of the alternative media seems to be pushing us toward. I think there's another way. And uh, I think at the very least, even if the only option ends up being violent, this one is worth exploring. Violence should always be a last resort, and I don't think that's the way we need to go. All right, for real now, I'm done. That's all the time I have. I'd love to hear from you. What are your thoughts on this? What are you doing? Do you think I'm just downright crazy? Or do you think we're on to something here? What suggestions do you have? What are you doing in your life and with your family to make this difference? Sign up for the secret newsletter. Send me an email. Hit me up on the Facebook feed. I've really been doing a lot of work, you know, uh, sharing the really, really interesting stories that I can't always cover on the show that, uh, that I'd love to have a discussion going with. We have a discussion forum going through the Goodreads at servicechange.com. Everything linked at servicechange.com so please check it out i'm dennis nappy the second with service of change this has been the secret podcast where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world i encourage you to be that change never stop questioning and keep an open mind thank you Truth Seekers.